My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a bright autumn morning here in the capital and joining us today on the show is Mary Quick, Managing Director at Quick's Traditional Limited, a farming and cheesemaking business in Devon dating back as far as the 16th century. Uh, Mary, welcome to the programme and it's a real pleasure having you with us today. Great to be here, Scott. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's brilliant having you as well, Mary. Now, I know, of course, you've not been there for the full history of um, your family business because it does go back some hundreds of years. But um, it must feel incredible for you to sort of be involved in a company that has sort of so much tradition behind it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's extraordinary. I guess it it means that we're really related to this particular place. We're really related to this kind of to, to to the world of farming and and I think it's really important to, with any history I mean everybody's got history maybe they not everybody knows it but I think it's very important to wear it lightly because actually the choice the choices ahead of you are always about um, you know the, cha- the, the challenges and opportunities of the present and then what there is to to, to aim for in the future mm. and uh, so I think it's really important for the past to be a to be an inspiration and not a burden. Exactly right. And when we think about those leaders that inspire us, I mean, we can often think of sort of celebrity names, political names, people who've been in the civil rights movement, for example. But for yourself, um, obviously working in a family business that's sort of passed down the generations, um, your parents have been sort of one of your biggest inspirations throughout your career, haven't they, Mary? Absolutely. Um, well, my my father. Uh, received John Quick, uh, subsequently Sir John Quick, received his knighthood for his uh, contribution to seeing the way that that governments could pay farmers to do things uh, of public good. And that obviously is the, you know, some of the issues du jour here. But the other thing with it, which I find very inspiring, but also the uh, uh, what he set up on this farm is is that we should be looking to the market and what was it that people actually might want to buy so that we weren't just subject to the commodity swirls. And that's mm. really very inspiring. And, and for my mother, she came into the business with a training as an artist. And she said that that training had been to enable her to do anything. And I think that's really where I've, where I've what I draw from her is, anything's possible you just have to create it as that's what that's where you're going and then take actions consistent with that commitment absolutely and of course you've been involved in the sort of leadership and the running of the family business i think since the late 1980s i'm right in saying isn't it mary that's correct yes and obviously the challenges that you've sort of had to grapple with during your tenure if you will I suppose have been very different to that which your parents faced with of course the advent of Brexit and the emergence of the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic Um, considering the Brexit issue does date back just sort of a little bit longer with the 2016 referendum I wanted to sort of touch on that first Um, that's of course come into sort of effect at the beginning of this year 2021 what are some of the sort of real operational challenges that have emerged for you as a result of that now coming into force first and foremost well with brexit um obviously there was a lot of concerns about um shipping across the shipping in and out of the uk and 
indeed that's been problematic. Certainly our exports into Europe have been really, really hampered. And for a little business, uh, the paperwork, the non-tariff barriers are mm. are very significant, uh, meaning that we're, go- we're having to um, reorganize how we do things. In fact, we were ex- we had been exporting uh, before Brexit and COVID about 40% of our cheese, and that's gone down to about 25%. And that's because an awful lot of cheese was actually exported via France. So it was all these little sort of details of how things work um, that, you know, of course, you know, when you're coming to a Brexit agreement in a political arena, you don't realise that you're driving a coach and horses through all sorts of delicate uh, economic economic and social arrangements. And, of course, um, the labour issue, uh, Mm. exacerbated by COVID, really, um, and of course, what the other thing that that means is that, um, quite correctly, lower-paid people are who form the the uh, bulk of essential services are now much scarcer, and and of course that means they're being paid more, which mm. um, is really interesting, given it was always said that um, uh, um, uh, Eastern Europeans and other people coming into the country were didn't have. A fundamental reduction in the in 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 uh, didn't suppress wages, but actually remove those people, and wages are going up faster than the increase in the minimum wage. Mm. Yeah, it is very interesting what sort of environment we're seeing in the recruitment sphere at the moment, isn't it? Given the impacts of Brexit, um, and we can't tap into the sort of EU talent pool and also COVID as well. Um, moving on to the uh, the pandemic, um, I suppose it's not as simple as sort of everybody can go on furlough within your business because given the nature of what you do, farming and cheese making, you're creating food. So that doesn't and cannot stop, can it? So I can imagine that you've had to continue operating through the crisis and that's probably had um, some, a raft of challenges of its own that it's brought to your door. Well, we did, uh, we recognised, well, uh, we recognised that our um, sales of cheese would drop. We were so heavily exposed to um, uh, food service, about 40% of our overall business went into food service and of course globally that just screamed to a halt and the other thing that stopped was um, supermarket deli counters where uh, we felt that our cheese was best sold in supermarkets and those, after the supermarket deli counters that we supply, they stopped too so in the first months of COVID our sales dropped by 60%. So we, we, at that point, we budgeted that we thought that we could return it to a drop of 25%. So it seems crazy, but I was happy that the business as a whole had, had uh, achieved its target of only dropping by 25%. Um, but what that meant is that we, were, uh, we realized that we would need 25% less cheese so for 13 weeks of the year, we actually sold our milk out and initially furloughed those people. But another impact of, of um, the COVID uh, pandemic was that because people couldn't get our cheese in food service and in on supermarket deli counters, they actually started reaching out to us saying, please, how can we love your cheese? How can we get it? We, you know, this is what we need to cheer us up in, in, in the pandemic. So people 
uh, uh, so we set up, so our online, we really accelerated all of our online uh, uh, activities. Online increased times seven over the uh, over the year, COVID year. And, um, but, and the other thing that happened is that instead of people buying cheese in, in larger pieces, as they would for a restaurant or a supermarket deli counter, people now wanted it in tiny weeny bits. Mm. So we had lots of our production people on furlough because we weren't making the cheese and suddenly we needed them uh, uh, and, and needed to bring them back for kind of cutting cheese into teeny weeny bits. Because there's an awful lot of um, uh, 150 gram pieces in a, in a 25 kilo cheese. Absolutely right. And you talked about sort of that move toward kind of the online retail of your product as well. Um, is that an example of something that could sort of be here to stay for the long term, even after hopefully the pandemic subsides and COVID is no longer sort of an immediate and present disruption to life? Well, it's really interesting. Our sales, uh, our online sales dropped a wee bit um, as, as things started opening up. Um, in you know in uh, in the spring of this year, and but now actually we're tracking above now whether that's a COVID impact and people aren't content to go out or just that actually they realise that I mean what's been lovely is is being able to have that direct conversation with our customers now we've no desire to disintermediate those people who champion our cheese all the way through the chain. But it is lovely and more than lovely, really so heartening and warming and supportive to us as a business that there were these people reaching out and wanting to get the cheese and not having to go out and, uh, and get it in a, in a shop. I mean, I'm, I know I'm certainly the same myself. Suddenly, shopping, you know, I can't be bothered with some kinds of shopping because, um, you know, needing to drive somewhere and um, park my car and go into a shop and discover that it's not there it is an awful lot easier to buy a lot of stuff online so i feel that some of so online i feel will be it was already a trend that was growing for us 20 percent a year but from a tiny tiny base and i'm wondering whether that won't just continue but from mm. now from a much higher base and 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 enabling us to have those conversations with our customers you know, a little cheese like a little specialist artisan cheese like ours, which is really closely connected to a particular piece of land, and and you know we pride ourselves on our um, uh, on our carbon sequestration and our you know care of the landscape and all of that, and our production. You know how, how we honour and fulfil all of those traditional skills. Um, it's great to have that conversation with people and let them know and be able to answer their questions directly as individuals in a way that we just haven't been able to before when we were selling through a potentially quite a long distribution chain. Mm. It's incredible, isn't it, just how quickly things can change as a result of something like this. And I suppose another one of the challenges that we've seen sort of during the last couple of years, um, it's been to sort of manage individuals through the crisis because anxiety sort of mental health and well-being issues they're all things that have sort of manifested and really intensified over the last um, 18 months or so um has it been 
sort of easy for you to kind of maintain morale amongst your colleagues um, during something like this? Or has it been a little bit more of a challenge to kind of keep everybody in that right space? Well, uh, it's interesting. Um, on, what, on one side, and with some people, it's absolutely strengthened the teams. Um, we're now working, I think, much more closely, less sort of silo, although we're a little business, you know, the the packing team were a little bit separate from the from the shop from the shop and the online team. Whereas now it feels like um, from various changes that have happened in the business, we're working much more closely together. The other impact that the 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 but and with some people, the demands of COVID were just too much. And we saw um, some overt um, if you like mental health issues, anxiety, people just not being able, finding that they they couldn't cope and work wasn't working for them anymore, which was um, really really distressing. You know, we would like to be a business that looks after our people and where people either have the you know if you like the my commitment is they either have the job of their dreams or we prepare them for the job of their dreams and 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 here were people who are really 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 struggling because of. Um, that intersection of the demands of home and um, and and the additional demands of uh, put on them in the workplace because of COVID. Mm. You know, we we you know our our it was clear that our computer our accounts package simply wasn't fit for purpose in a in an online in a working r- remote working world, and that's difficult. Suddenly, having to produce, you know, we were producing. Uh, 15% of our cheese in consumer packs, and suddenly that went up to 50 or 60%. You know, those demands that there were work demands that were just as a result of the pandemic, uh, and and uh, and when that crossed over with the personal ones, and and we did see some mental distress in the business, and that was really really difficult to deal with. Mm, can certainly imagine so and it almost sort of prompts a change in approach from those at the top of a business doesn't it to try and manage a situation like that and despite all of the difficulties of uh, covid and brexit and dealing with all of this almost as like a sort of a double prong challenge would you say that you maybe come away from all of this to date having maybe learned something from this sort of crisis management experience if we call it that well, it's something that my brother who's a, um, uh, you know a, a director of the business uh, said says is um, never waste a good crisis. Mm. So it kind of that's always the aim, isn't it? That 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 where you've got these acute challenges, you know, the what you have to do is to aim for the to get the gold out of them, and there always is some gold. So you know, for us, the online and that that connection with individuals, the um, the flattening of our we've flattened our structure. You know. Um, People are now much more interactive across the teams, uh, you know, because we've had to be more communicative because mm. uh, as some people were working uh, away from home, uh, sorry, uh, um, uh, working from home, people had to, to, communication just had to be better. Uh, and we put stuff in place for that. So I'm really, I'm really happy about, about that additional communication across the business. and. And, um, you know, something we're still grappling with is uh, we've dealt with to some degree but but uh, need to do more with is to enable our business to to be able to 
you know, cut cheese into smaller bits um, more proficiently. And, and that's, that's a technical issue that just, you know, requires a technical solution. So mm. I, I'm actually really excited about, about the potential in the future because of a business like ours making a, making a specialist in artisan and handmade cheese. We're all about the story. And the story is something that's much more, uh, you know, we're able to tell that much more clearly. And interestingly enough, that, that, I mean, my concern was that we didn't want to disintermediate those champions in the food chain. And what, what's happened is because we're actually better at communicating on our website and uh, via email and social media, about what we're up to, that's actually been really, really supportive of their business. And mm. and one of the areas um, that has, has really bounced back is uh, UK independent retail uh, because those that part of the market also relies on, on stories and telling the story and so that people start to understand the, the value that sits behind a product not just its price, because mm. our cheeses will be a little bit um, more expensive. Yeah, sort of connects you with that audience base, doesn't it? Absolutely. And uh, I think you're absolutely right. There's so much potential there, obviously, moving into the future. And I think there is more of a resolve as a result of the sort of social restrictions and the lockdown to look local and buy British. And with that in mind, um, we are obviously sort of considering the fact that there's the variable of a new COVID variant in the mix and that that could go one of many different ways. But in an ideal world over this next 12 months, as we sort of hopefully get to grips with the pandemic, can get out of this acute stage of the health crisis. Um, what are your sort of hopes and ambitions for yourself and your business, Mary? And where do you see yourselves by this time in 2022? Well, I'm really excited that we can leap. Uh, uh, at the moment, where where we may claw back to uh, the sales that we achieved in the in the pre-COVID year, and in future years, I really want to develop those sales. And in with customers who really kind of get and understand what we're up to, there's a, a little piece to do in terms of certainly in the United States, which is was is our largest export market. That uh, they had cheese have become freshest cheese have become very nationalistic. So there's a a task to do to remind them that there's some amazing European cheeses out there. Uh, they would think see us as Europeans, even if some parts of our body policy doesn't see it that way. Um, uh, I, th- I think there's developing our business in, uh, you know, as I said, in, in being able to deal with little little bits of cheese. But there's also the whole sustainability piece. We're doing a, a tremendous job on sustainability. Uh, you know, the, we're producing our milk. By the time we've got the sequestration, our milk is produced at a carbon footprint lower than rice milk, which is the mm. lowest of uh, carbon footprint of the plant milk, and we re- absolutely need to get that as sort of verif- verifiable numbers out to people, and of course a plan of action to take us forward. Because as we go forward, um, uh, uh, um, you know, and COVID and Brexit hopefully retreat, actually people will really start to come back to the the core concern of our of our time, which is which is climate change and sustainability, and having this as a you know having having it as a planet where we can people can live 
mm. um, well and live 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 full, fulfilled lives without busting the planet. You know, I'm, and I'm keen that all people are inspired by their connection to food and farming, and that will take food and farming, those people involved in food and farming, reaching out and having us be inspiring, not just kind of doing the day job. Exactly right. And the sector does have a lot of work to do on the whole in sort of playing its part in addressing that next big challenge that we're all going to be facing after COVID that everybody's talking about that is climate change. It's very much on the agenda after COP26 this year. And so that's going to be the next big thing that we all have to address as one, not just in business, but also as individuals and in policy as well. Um, Obviously, as we start to see the trajectory that that fight against climate change begins to take, Mary, I actually think that at some point in the year, the next year, when also the picture with COVID starts to uh, to clear up, it might even be beneficial to sort of catch up and have you back on the show with us again, when we can hopefully talk about how some of your hopes there have even come to transpire. Sure, I'd be absolutely delighted. I mean, this is a it's an incredibly exciting time for anyone um, running a business, and I will be absolutely delighted to come back and uh, share where I've got to and learn from others as well. Be wonderful. Um, thank you again for your time today, Mary. And um, I hope yourself and everybody, of course, tuning into today's interview enjoyed the experience. And uh, do have a very Merry Christmas. Enjoy the upcoming holidays and take care and stay safe as well, most importantly. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year absolutely to the new year and uh, to everybody listening as well um, if you of course feel listening to Mary Quick Story today that you have your own tale of success and of innovation to come and share with us here at the Leaders Council then by all means you also can apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply um, until next time when we're back with a whole new business leader on the programme do take care and goodbye